Welcome, 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 welcome to the Living Savior Church. What a place, what a place to serve and love Jesus. You know, i got to tell you this. I was thinking about what James while ago when he was standing up there. A lady told me the other day, and of course you never know these things happen until somebody tells you or you get to see it yourself. But there was a lady that was in this church the other day, and she told us during the worship and praise, she opened her eyes and she saw Jesus come down in the service and touch some of the people in her family. And it was awesome. She said she got to see him. He was here in our worship and praise. Isn't that awesome? But he's always here in our worship and praise. Sometimes we see him. Sometimes we don't see him. But what a blessing when somebody gets to see Jesus. He is so awesome. I had another man tell me the other day that he was in a church service somewhere else one day. And he opened his eyes and he got to see angels everywhere. I thought, Lord, those angels, you say they're here. But, you know, I've only got to see three in my life, but that's a great blessing to get to see them, or at least that I know of, you know. But who knows how many times we see angels or entertain them unaware that they are servants of God, you know, that come to minister to us. But anyway, those guys are here. They're here to take care of us and watch over us. And I praise the King for the privilege to know Jesus and to know that these magnificent beings are here. But Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, He is here also to bless us in everything we do. Now then, to start off today, I want to start off with anybody have a testimony. Oh, Pat's got one. Wow, she threw her hand right up. Let's see what, I mean, wow. I I love it when people don't even have to hesitate. They just throw that hand up. I want to hear what God has done with Pat this week. Okay. Well, Molly and I went a trip to Hawaii for seven days, all paid expenses, hotel, airfare, food, everything. And last year, I'm in this part-time business where I sell some products that a few people in here sell. And last year, I was like the number sixth one to win. And the last day of the contest, I went down to... Not even in the contest. People came in the last day and bought so many products, I got bumped out of the race. So Molly and I just kept praying, Satan, you are not going to steal from us. You're going to return sevenfold for what you tried to steal. So they called Wednesday, and they said, well, you've won the trip. Amen. So anyway, praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Wow. I won one of those one time. An all-expense paid vacation for my wife and I and our children for two weeks to uh, Hawaii and then back to Disney World. Uh, it was awesome. You know, that I, in fact, I didn't win it. I worked and done an exceptional job for the company that I work for. And I saved them so much money. They gave me an impossible task to do. And, of course, that morning when they gave me the impossible task, I immediately went to the Lord. And I said, Lord, what they've asked me to do is impossible. No man can do what they want me to do. But I say, well, you, nothing's impossible. And I'm down on my knees at home asking the Lord to let me do this job. And I said, Lord, if you will, let me do this. And they give me a a, a $1.1 million budget to do this with. And they give me 60 or 75 days to do it. And it should have taken six months and a million and a half. And I said, you know, Lord, I can't do this. But I know you can. And if you will allow me to do it within the budget confines of this I said, I will forever be gracious, and I will give you the glory and the praise forever. I've done the job in actually six days short 
of the deadline that they had given me with 100,000 below budget. They give me 1.1 million. I did it for a million, or Jesus did. And out of that, we also got a two-week paid, all-expense-paid vacation to Hawaii and then back to Disney World and all that stuff for me and my wife and my children. And uh, a couple of years later, my daughter, of course, I put in some long, hard hours in that 60, 75 days, I will have to say. My daughter, she came to me and she said, Daddy, when are you going to work hard again so we can get another <laughs> another free trip to Hawaii? I thought, wow. You know, but I mean, that was some of the, I mean, I worked 16, 17 hours a day, six days a week. You know, I, I did take off. I will have to say I didn't do much Bible study during the week. But I did teach my Sunday school lesson on Sunday, and I did put God first in everything I did. Uh, he was constantly on my heart and on my mind and on my lips as I talked to people about Him. And He did an awesome miracle there. So it's wonderful when you get those free trips, all expense paid to go places and do things when you're serving God. But He promises, you know, that He will bless your socks off if you'll put Him first. And that's the thing we've got to do is to put Him first. Anybody else have another testimony? Michelle, you got another one? All right, let's see what God's done for you, little lady. Well, we had an adopted pet with 20 bunnies, 32 cats, and 40 dogs. In like 40 minutes, everybody just left with owners. I was just like, okay. I was like, and then we had to do all the paperwork, and I'm thinking, I can't do this paperwork. And I'm thinking, what am I thinking? Amen. I have the mind of Christ. I can do it, right? Yep. And you did. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God uses little Michelle in mighty ways. Young lady, you got one? Come up here. Praise the Lord. Glory. We give God the glory. He's a mighty God. He's doing great and wonderful things, and we love Him. Praise the King. Step up here with me so they can see you good. Um, my friends back there told me, Emma, you need to go give the testimony. Amen. Praise so, the Lord. I guess I'll give two while I'm up here. Okay, great. Um, the first one is uh, several weeks ago, Alicia, uh, we were leaving here, the Living Savior Ministry, and we was heading north on I-35 going back home in Carrollton. And there was this young lady that was pulled off on the side of the road. She was stopped, just a single lady. And, uh, and we started praying, and we felt like we were supposed to go back and help her. So we exited on Royal Lane, made the circle, came back around. And uh, she came up to the car, and we found out that she didn't have any gas. She had run out of gas. She had no gas. She had no money. She had no telephone. She had nothing. And so we could tell she was a little bit distraught. So we looked at her, we found out her name, and we told her, that we will be back to help you. So we're going to go find you some gas. So we went, and we got her some gas. And made the circle and came back around, and she was still sitting there waiting for us to come back and help her put this gas in. And uh, so we had just enough, and uh, we said, now, if you drive that to that gas station, we'll fill your tank up for you. And then all the while, we were saying, okay, Lord, how do you want us to minister to this lady? <laughs> and so by the time we got her to the tank and we started pumping gas, we uh, got began to tell us what to say to her, and... Um, the first question I asked her, I said, well, do you believe in angels? <laughs> and she says, well, yeah, I have to. And I said, well, do you believe that God sent us to help you? And she said, yes. And, and so we began to ask her what church she goes to and 
she made up some name, and of course you can, <laughs> and of course we keep talking and asking her if she's 100% sure that if she died right then she would go to heaven. Anyway, long story short, while we were pumping gas, filling this lady's tank up, we got to lead her to the Lord. <laughs> hey, praise the Lord, thank and, you, Jesus. Amen, hallelujah. And um, we also we went in the car. We gave her some of your CDs so we could get her here so she could finish getting. Because we know that you need to get plugged in, you need to be disciple and all of that. And so we believe in God that she's going to show up here and continue to be ministered to. Amen. And the other uh, testimony just happened this past week. Uh, my little six-year-old granddaughter. <laughs> I gave her some of the your CDs too to listen to, and I let her mom know that I'd given them to her. And so I said, when you hear her playing these uh, these CDs, that you know it's okay. You know, I gave them to her. But anyway, she loves to hear your teachings. She just loves it. She get in the car, Grandma, can we hear the teachings? And so uh, one day I picked her up from school, and she was telling me, sharing her experience that she had had at school. She said, I got to help three people today, Grandma. And I said, oh, good. And I said, share some of them. And she shared three, but the one that stood out the most, and they're all awesome. But I just share the one. But she said that there was this little boy out on the playground, and they noticed, she and her little friend noticed that he was laying down on the ground, and then went over to inquire as to what was going on, and uh, his nose was bleeding. And he was laying there on the ground, and she said, well, at first we was going to go get the teacher, Grandma, but then she said, I told my friend, I know what we can do. We can pray. Amen. <laughs> so, six years old. Six years old. Amen. And so she says, uh, she said, she told Jesus that uh, Father in the name of Jesus healed his nose and stopped it from bleeding in Jesus' name. Amen. And she said, and the little boy noticed that his nose had stopped bleeding. And he looked up at her and said, Diamond, how did you do that? And she said, well, Jesus did it. He's awesome. <laughs> and, so, and so right on the playground, my little six-year-old daughter, she's praying for kids in the classroom. Amen. So your, your tapes and teachings are ministering to our family, so thank you. Amen. Praise the Lord. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. My honey bunny, she's got something she wants to tell us, too. Praise the Lord. Wow. Praise the King. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. When I was 26... My uh, mother suffered uh, emptiness syndrome, and I moved out of the state to Colorado. And at that point in time, she flew up there and threatened to legally take my children away from me. So it caused this severing between us because I didn't really trust her after that. You know, someone that says they're going to take your children away, and she didn't have any rights to do that. But she just wanted the grandchildren, and so it's because she didn't have anybody at home anymore. And so about for now 60 years, my mother has told my children that she doesn't like me, and basically she said, you know, she's my daughter, but I don't really like her. And so I've loved her from a distance. I've prayed for her. I send blessings to her. I always, when I talk to her on the phone, I always tell her I love her, but, you know, she's never responded to me. Yesterday, <laughs> I was singing. Uh, Chrissy and I had, did an opening act thing for some country acts for a Lake Fest park or something, and, and uh uh, I, I called her and asked her if she wanted to come, and I had my son go pick her up and drive her out there. And and when she left, you know, we picked her up and brought her in because they had to go in with us because we there were only certain cars could get inside where the band area was. And and so after, as we were leaving, I helped her up the hill because she is 80, almost 85 next week, and um, and put her in the car and drove her back to her car. And as she got out of the car, she turned to me and she said, "I love you," and walked off. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Sixty years. Love never fails, right? Love never fails. Praise the King. Praise the King. Don't never. You got a testimony? 
You got your hand up? Okay. Praise the Lord. Come up here. This little gal. This little gal in the red dress. Well, um, when we were, um, we drived up, and we were going somewhere, and we drive, we were leaving out of the house, and we were driving up to this, um, where we went, and, and, and the police stopped us because, because we were on 10 miles an hour, and, and we, we were 10 miles an hour, and, and we were almost getting a walk. We were almost getting a ticket, but we prayed to God, and 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 then we and then the police officer um gave us a warning. Warning. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. When you get stopped on the road, you got a little child in the back praying for you, right? No, you got me and Ty didn't have that the other day, did we, Ty? No, we didn't have that. Oh goodness gracious. Praise the King. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you that you got these babies praying. Lord, thank you for these little children that you hear their prayers just like you do ours. We are so grateful. I'm going to tell you one quick testimony. Oh, you got one, Ty? Praise the King. Amen. One time, my, my wife, she was pregnant. She was just about ready to have a baby. And we had two cars, and we had bought a new car. We were getting ready to get out of vet school. And we were driving home. Uh, back to Texas A&M. And this, my wife is real bad about not staying up with me, you know, when we're, when we're in two different cars. She'll get behind or she'll, so I look behind her, where is she? So I pulled off and my son and I were sitting there waiting and when she, and she didn't come. And she didn't come, she didn't come. So after a while I said, well she must have got in front of us. So we took off down the road to catch up with her because I knew she was pregnant, it was almost sundown. I mean, she, I knew she was pregnant. She's getting ready to go into labor any 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 uh, any day. She's actually a little late. So this, police, this highway patrolman pulls us over, and I had a Monte Carlo with a sunroof on it <laughs> and a BB gun that I'd bought Travis, my son. <laughs> and I got out of the car and I walked back there to that highway patrolman's car to you know tell him I was trying to find my wife. And all of a sudden, he's getting out of the car, and he just dives back into his car. <laughs> I'm like, what's going on? And I turn around, and my son had gotten the BB gun. He was aiming the BB gun. That's a highway Oh, my lord. Oh, my lord. <laughs> so needless to say, I got a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> Man, he didn't think that's too funny, but I mean, hey, man. Now, my son grew up, and now he he is really close to me. But he went through a stage there where you know, he, he didn't appreciate his daddy. And, and so now, of course, we're real close. I went down to Texas A&M, down to San Antonio last night, and we went to the Aggie football game. And while we were there... Jesus reminded me of something that's really beautiful. He, you know, he says, my sheep shall hear my voice and flee from all other voices. And we're down there with 60,000 people walking down the river, river uh, walk down there in San Antonio. And so we sit down by this tree. And right where we sit, after about 30 minutes, these people started congregating around us. And this guy came up. He was, they were getting ready to have church there <laughs> where we sat. And we did, and somebody said, "Well, you some Jesus freak?" Because I was sitting there reading my Bible. 
And I said, no, and I just love the Lord. And, and we got to talk. And he said, well, we're getting, ready to have, we're getting ready to have a meeting here right now. And I said, oh, wow. So you know, the Lord just puts you with people like that. Amen. This, this, this week I had a, a doctor that had called me a few weeks ago that had, had cancer. And he wanted me to mix my faith with him uh, that the Lord would heal him. He, and so we did and we prayed. And he called me up this week, and uh, he got he had gone back for another biopsy, and the biopsy report came back negative. And, Amen. And, uh, Amen. Uh, Praise the Lord. Now this this doctor was willing to listen to the Lord. Amen. And Jesus said, "My sheep shall so hear my voice and flee from my others." Amen. Amen. I had another doctor. Excuse me. And I had a preacher that came over to the house this week for ministry, and this preacher had had stepped down from the ministry and, and walked away from it with his wife, and had become discouraged. But even though he got into to a new religion, into new age religion, there was, a, there was a voice. And that voice just kept telling him to come back. Yeah. He said, there's more. You, you, there's something you're missing. And so he began reading the Word again. And the Lord drew him back and took him back. That's how much our daddy loves us. My son walked away from me when we were younger. And, and he just didn't understand. But, but after, after he started and asked the Lord to come into his life, after he saw the change in my own life, well, it changed him. And so now he listens to me. And this same voice, Cheryl, that your mother was hearing. I have another daughter, the, the ones we've been praying for. And she she called my mother up here just oh, a month ago. She was drunk. But she said, my, my mother and my dad are going to try and take Kyle away from me. And she, she was listening to those voices. I mean, we, 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 you know, she, we know Kyle. Kyle needs his mama really bad. And a child needs his mama and his daddy. And so the last thing we would ever do, want to do is take Kyle away. And that Kyle's a little fellow that comes with us a lot of times up here. But, but she was listening, and is listening to those wrong voices when she starts drinking. And so she, when she's not drinking, well, of course, she's, she's pretty good. She, she, but she gets, gets a little drunk. All of a sudden, she starts listening to different voices. So I had another, another pastor that's coming next week uh, for, over to the house. And this pastor has been under torment for 20 years and has got into drugs to take care of his depression. And, and so now he's crying out for help. And that's what Daddy does. He tells you in Galatians 4, 6 that he will adopt you. And when he adopts you, he'll put his spirit within you and you'll cry out, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. And if you keep crying, Daddy will listen. And Daddy will say, come here, son. And he'll to always take you back. And, and he'll always set you free. So he understand now what, what he said, what, what he meant when he said in John eight thirty one, it says, my sheep shall hear my voice in John 10. And in John 8, he said, if you abide in my word, you're my son or daughter indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Amen. So that's, that's what you want to do. If you abide in God's Word, 
no matter how discouraged you get, how bad everything looks, Daddy will, will draw you back. And it's Daddy's Word and His voice and His Spirit that will set you free. So I just want to encourage all of you to just to read the Word. And when you do, say, Daddy, Daddy, your Word says in Romans 8 that you're going to adopt me. And once I'm adopted, I'm your son or I'm your daughter. And I can be set free of whatever the disease is that's come upon me, Daddy. And as you, as you pray to Him and you cry out to Him, He'll hear you. He'll hear you and He'll show you the way to get set free. So we just praise you and worship you, Daddy. I just pray right now that every person in this house, Daddy, will seek you and He'll seek your spirit and your voice and listen to you, Holy Spirit, as you lead them through this wilderness today and all the next week. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Praise Amen. the King. Glory to God. I've got to tell you a quick testimony right quick, and then we're going to get right in the Word. Uh, I had a wonderful uh, experience, a letter we got yesterday uh, from a gentleman. And this man, uh, of course, as I Cheryl was opening the mail, she came in my office last night. Tim said, you got to hear this letter. This man had got a hold of our teaching, had listened to them. And someone that they know had been sick and afflicted for the last two years and not even able to raise up an arm. He said he couldn't even raise up an arm. And he said, through your teaching, we learned what to do, and we prayed the prayer of faith for the man and said, God instantly healed him. And he was just awestruck. And he turned in an order for him. He sent us a donation. And he said, I want, he checked 16 different CDs or DVDs that he wanted. He said, I've got to learn more about this. Well, when you see God move like that, you want to know more, don't you? And so definitely, you know, in fact, the man sent us an offering for $150, you know, and a request for 16 more CDs. And, of course, Cheryl wrote on there, you know, send him everything he wanted, you know. So what we do, we want people that step over in that world of faith to believe God's Word. We want those people to continue to grow in that knowledge because if Jesus showed up for him up there, that proves to us beyond a shadow of a doubt that we're teaching the truth. Because God don't show up for a lie. He shows up only for the truth. Like Ty said, you shall know the truth. And the truth will set you free. It will make you free. So we get those kind of letters all the time. But there's some things that people come in among the church. I'm going to teach out of a book today that I have never taught out of. Not one time that I ever remember. But today I'm going to start in the book of Jude. I want you to go to this little book of Jude, and I'm going, to do, I'm going to talk about the book of Jude since it's in the New Testament, and it tells us what to do, and it tells us about examples about these people that come in among us, and then it gives us an example of the Old Testament, and then I'm going to go back to the Old Testament about what Jude is talking about, and I'm going to show you what happens when you make God mad. You don't want to make the king mad. I'm going to show you some examples of what happened. Now, thank goodness, today, on this side of the cross, even when we make him mad, we can come to him and repent of our sins and beg mercy, and he'll hear us, won't he, Keith? We're glad we're living on this side of the cross. 
Because these people on that side of the cross, you're going to see what He did to them on that side of the cross. So this is going to make you extremely glad that you're on this side of the cross. I will guarantee you. Now then, let's go to the book of Jude. Now then, uh, I'm going to start with a couple of verses down there, about three. And this is going to be out of the NLT that I'm going to be reading. Uh, I might read it out of the... Uh, probably won't read it out of both. I got both translations here, the NLT and the King James. I read both of them in great detail. They both do say the same, but uh, I'm going to start here in verse 3. It says, Dearly loved friends, I have been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation with in, that we all share. This is something he wants to write to us about in the church, but he hasn't had time. He's been busy, like a lot of us in the ministry. But he says, but now, I mean, now then, I find that I must write about something else. I don't have time to write to you about the salvation that we share and the wonderful blessings, but I've heard that there's something happening in your church. And although I didn't have time to write about the blessed salvation, I now must take the time to write to you about something I understand that's going on in your church. He says, he says that I'm uh, write about something else. Urging you to defend the truth of the good news. Urging you to defend the truth of the good news of Jesus Christ. God gave this unchanging truth once for all time to His holy people. Now, when God gave this truth, He's never changed. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He don't ever change, does He, Frank? No, if something didn't, God didn't like it 5,000 years ago, He still don't like it today. But we do have Jesus on this side of the cross, thank goodness, where they didn't have. But He's telling us, I say this because some godless people have wormed their way in among you, saying, now listen carefully what they're saying. We still hear this today. Saying that God's forgiveness allows us to live immoral lives. I mean, think. Cheryl and I had a... We've had this happen several times, not just once. But in, in the few years that we've been together as a team, we've had people come to us and say, we have all these problems and we don't know why we have these problems. And we get with them and check them out and we ask are you married? And they say, yes, most of the time. And then you say, how long have you been married? Ten years, twenty years, thirty years. How long have you been having problems? Ten years, twenty years, thirty years. Okay, my first question is, did you two have sex before you got married? And every case they say, yes. See, one of the couples even told us, that they knew it was wrong. They were both Christians, but they went to their pastor and asked the pastor, you know, as soon as her divorce is final and my wife died, we're going to get married, but that's going to be at least six months in the future. So since we are in love with each other and we're going to get married, would be okay if we live together as man and wife before we get married. And their pastor said, yes. 
Now, how many of you know he didn't get very good counsel? He didn't get very good counsel at all. But see, their sensual desires overrode their spiritual desires. And so they moved in together. And they started living a normal life, a sexual life, normally for about six months. And then they did get married, no problem. And then within six months after they got married, he became impotent and could not have sex under no conditions. So for 20 years plus, they had no relationships. Isn't that amazing? They thought they couldn't live without it. And then they broke God's law and only was able to enjoy it for six more months. And then no sex at all for 20 plus years. Isn't that amazing? And then they came to us. And thank God that we're on this side of the cross. Oh, thank goodness that we know Jesus. Because we got that couple to repent of their sins and ask God to forgive them. And see, in the New Covenant, we have 1 John 1, 9. On that side of the law of Jesus, they didn't have 1 John 1, 9. You only had the priest, and then he could only go into the Holy of Holies to atone for your sins only one day a year. You didn't have 1 John 1, 9. But we have, thank goodness, today. So this couple repented of their sins, and I prayed the prayer of faith for them and asked God, since they had asked for Him to forgive, they had asked for forgiveness, and of course, they told the Lord how sorry they were with tears that they have. And I told them, I said, you know, you've been cheated, you broke God's law, the devil's moved into your house, and what you thought you couldn't live without, you found out you've lived 25 years without it. I said, now then... I'll ask God, you ask God to forgive you. I'm going to pray the prayer of faith for you, and God's going to restore you. And three weeks later, that man came right here, three weeks later, and said, I wished I'd have met you 30 years ago. He said, God has completely restored us. He said, this morning, isn't it amazing, on Sunday morning, on Sunday morning, he woke up for the first time in 25 years with the ability to have a relationship with his wife. And he said, we did this morning, the first time in 25 years. He said, we are so blessed. Now, you want to be grateful that they were on this side of the cross. Because God is merciful today. These people didn't have this. Now, I want you to listen, but I want you to listen to what God's telling us here. He said, some people will worm themselves in among you to tell you that it's okay because of the forgiveness you have through Jesus that you can live an immoral life. Now, this is what the Scripture says. The fate of such people, the fate of such people was determined long ago. For they have turned against our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. So, if, you're te- if I'm teaching people that it's okay because Jesus has washed us in the blood... You're once saved, always saved. You can just go out there and do anything you want to do. God says, my faith has been sealed a long time ago. He said, I don't believe His Word. I'm teaching a lie. Isn't that amazing? He says, people will tell you it's okay. People will worm their ways in among you to teach you that it's okay because of the forgiveness of Jesus and the blood of Jesus that you can now live an immoral life and you still be okay. Have you ever heard people teach that in church? Sure. I've heard it a lot. 
But he says, I must remind you, and you know it well, that even though the Lord rescued the whole nation of Israel from Egypt, He later destroyed every one of those who did not remain faithful. That's kind of scary, isn't it? And I remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of authority. What does that tell you? The angels have limits of authority. In other words, God has set down a set of rules in the spiritual world, and He told this angel, angels, you bunch, you can go this far, and that's all you can do. Uh, you angels, you can go this far. You can do this. Now then, don't you break my rules. But the angels that broke his rules. Let's see what happened here. See, I remind you, the angels who did not stay within the limits of authority, God gave them, but left their place where they belonged. God has kept them chains in prisons of darkness. The angels that left their first estate, the King James says, are their position of authority and where they were allowed to go when they moved outside of that line of authority. God sent them and put them in chains of darkness waiting for the day of judgment. Now then, does anybody get away with anything with God? If it's an angel or a human being. Isn't that amazing? I mean, he's in control, isn't he? The king is in control. We live our lives like the king's not in control. But let me tell you, he's in control. And he wrote this book to remind us of who he is and what he likes and what he don't likes and what he will do for those of us that will be obedient to do what he says. But these angels, they didn't obey. Then he says, and don't forget the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And their neighboring towns, not just Sodom and Gomorrah, but everything in the plains down there, everything, even the neighboring cities, which were filled with sexual immorality. They were filled with sexual immorality. And every kind of sexual perversion. Do we have any sexual perversion alive and well in America today? Oh my goodness, that's why I don't even turn the television on. I mean, I don't turn it on, except since we've got the new satellite that we got that I bought. I've learned about it from GLC. That new satellite you can buy for under $200. And it's got, now got 17 Christian stations on it. There's not anything but Christian. You can't get nothing but Christian. And once you pay the... It's on our website. You can get it right on the home page, right on the front. It's got the number and everything. I bought that, put it up. It's got 17 Christian stations. Four or five of them are Spanish or Russian or whatever. But the rest of them are in English. And TVN's on there. GLC's on there. Daystar's on there. The Word's on there. I mean, all kinds of Christian. But that's all that's on there. There ain't nothing else. So... You can watch that. And the beautiful part about it is when you connect, get to pay that $200 and put the antenna and hook it up, you don't ever have to pay a service after that. They don't charge you no monthly fee. If you want to watch it, fine. If you don't, that's okay. But you can watch it 24-7 if you want to. And there is zero charge after that initial purchase of the antenna. It's free-to-air television. Isn't that amazing? It's wonderful. But 
we, we have that, and when I do watch it, I don't have to worry about it. If I go in there and turn it on, I know I ain't going to see no commercial. You know, I'm not going to turn on some show and watch a few minutes of a decent show, if there is any of those kind of things anymore. And then the commercial comes on, and some crazy, violent, wild scene about some show is going to show next week. You know, about some homosexual or some perversion or something like this. I'm going to tell you. They can tell you what they want to tell you. And they can tell you that you can't talk about those kind of things. But I'm going to tell you, God is warning us in His Word how we got to live. And if we don't do it, I mean, He is no respecter of person. He just said here that after He not only destroyed all the children of Israel that He brought out that didn't remain faithful, but He also destroyed the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And He goes on and says, He says, Those cities were destroyed by fire and are a warning of the eternal fire that will punish all who do evil. Everybody that does evil is going to be punished with this eternal fire. What is, he, what is this eternal fire? It's hell. That's what it is. It's hell. And anybody that does not believe in Jesus and walk in obedience to His Word is going to suffer in that fire. And he says... Yet these false teachers, these false teachers who claim authority from their dreams, they live immoral lives and they defy authority and scoff at the power of the glorious one. I'm going to tell you, if I'm a preacher or if I'm a church member, If I'm a born-again Christian and a thought comes in my mind about any kind of sexual perversion or doing anything wrong, you know what I'm going to do with that thought? I'm going to cast that thought down. I'm not going to meditate on that thought, not one second. Because if I yield to that and I go into that and I begin to live that immoral life, you know what God's Word says over in Galatians chapter 5? He says, those that live those sexual, immoral, perverted lives and drunkenness and uncleanliness and all those kind of things, he said, you shall in no wise inherit the kingdom of God, which means you're going to burn in the hellfire flames forever. I don't want to go there, do you? No, I do not want to go there at all. So I will never stand in this pulpit and tell you, You come down here and make Jesus Lord of your life, once saved, always saved. Now you can go do anything you want to do and Jesus is going to be understanding. You ain't never going to hear me say that. I will tell you, you come down this aisle and make Jesus Lord of your life and you walk in obedience to His Word, once saved, always saved. But you've got to do what He says. You've got to walk in obedience to the Word. You can't come down here and say, I want to make Jesus Lord of my life, and then go out there and live like the devil the rest of your life. Say, well, I came to the Living Savior Church on this day, and I made, I committed my life to Jesus. I never, never walked a day for Him after that. Or maybe I walked with Him for five years. Maybe I come to church for five years, and then I got, I wanted something a little more exciting than being in church. So I went out into the ways of the world. Now, when you're out there in the ways of the world, The Lord will do, if you are His child, He will do just exactly what Ty said a while ago. He'll do everything He can to call you back. He will work on you. He will do everything. He'll move mountains to put the right person in your place, in place where you're, to bring you back home because He don't want you to die and go to hell. But you can fight against it and say, no, no, 
I ain't coming home. I like it out here in the world. I want to live out here in this immoral lifestyle. I like this beautiful young girl I'm living with. Or this young girl said, I like this young handsome boy I'm living with. He meets all of my needs. I love living with him. But you're Christians. Oh, yeah, we know. But we know that we're not supposed to do that. But if we die in this sin, we know that Jesus is so loving and kind. We'll still get to go to heaven. Ooh. Don't bank on it. Don't bank on it. Don't, because you want you to hear. He's giving us an example in the book of Jude. He is telling us what's going to happen to people that say they're Christians that don't love God and walk in obedience to His Word. Then he gives us some more examples. He says, these false teachers, he tells us what's going to happen to them as well as to the people. Then he says, and... As we read on down, and talks about even Michael, one of the mightiest of the angels, did not dare accuse Satan of blasphemy, but simply said, The Lord rebuke you. This took place when Michael was arguing with Satan about Moses' body. But these people mock and curse the things they do not understand. Like animals, they do whatever their instincts tell them, and they bring about their own destruction. Bring about their own destruction. How terrible it will be for them, for they follow the evil examples of Cain, who killed his brother, like Balaam. They will do anything for money, and like Korah, they will perish because of their rebellion. Now, right there, we've named off several people, and I only have time today to talk about one. And I decided to talk about Korah. He's given us the example. A lot of times we say, well, what about these guys? I mean, so these guys, you know, obviously God is saying, I've set down a set of rules. I do not like sexual immorality. I do not like perversion. I do not like uncleanness. In fact, I demand and command my people to walk holy. I command them to walk in uprightness. I command them to purify themselves from all sin. Now then, if we are children of God, and we didn't know these things, or if we weren't children of God, and we still didn't know these things, and today with the blood of Jesus, we can come to the cross, the Lord will forgive us, He will redeem us, He will clean us up, and He will heal our bodies. And we will see it. But once He heals your body, He expects you to straighten your act up and leave your life of sin, because in the New Testament, He clearly says, if I heal you, or when I heal you, if you don't leave your life of sin, something worse will come upon you. See, he still makes that promise today. So the children of God, if they want to walk without sickness and disease. Now, I know that sickness doesn't seem to be very important if you're walking in divine health. But if you're not walking in obedience to God's Word, divine health is not going to stay in your life. Sickness and disease is going to come to you. Now then, he give us an example of Korah. He give us several examples down through here of what we're supposed to do. This is pretty tough stuff when you stop and read this. But this is out of the Word of God. Now then, I want to turn to the uh, Numbers chapter 16. And, I, well, and from Numbers chapter 16, the Living Translation, we're going to talk about what happened to this man, Korah. I want you to see how... The, what Jesus is talking about here, when these people 
we're talking in under the New Testament, the book of Jude. He's talking about people that come in among us to tell us it's okay to live in sin because of the forgiveness of the blood of Jesus. But he said, that's not true. How many of you believe that when Jesus says to those that have this hope, the hope of the gospel in them, they will purify themselves from all evil? Do you know what purification means? You know what it means to be pure? No, but I mean, but so think you could live out here with some guy out of wedlock just one day a week would make you still pure, wouldn't it? (laughs) Sharon laughed and said, no, not hardly, not hardly. No, you're not pure. That's just like if I take one of those bottles of water there and I were to put one drop of strychnine in one of them bottles of water. Is that water pure anymore? No, you can't see it, but it's not pure. And if I put three or four drops in there, it's invisible. You can't see it. But if you drink it, what's it going to do to you? It's going to kill you. You think all the time, I'm drinking a bottle of pure water. But you're not. That's what sin does to us. And as the Lord showed us His examples from His Word, the book of Jude is clearly telling us that there's many people that will worm their ways in among the church to tell you it's okay to live in sexual perversion. Sexual immorality. But the Lord says, these people's fate has already been determined. And it's going to be for them that continue in that lifestyle. It's going to be exactly like what happened to Korah. How many of you have heard of Korah? Some of you have heard of him. Well, all of you are going to hear about him today. Everybody in here is going to know who Korah was. I want you to go to Numbers chapter 16 with me. And I'm going to show you this man... And here Moses has been called by God to bring the people out. And I want you to see what happened here. One day, Korah, K-O-R-A-H, the son of Izar. And we go on down and talk about who the sons of all these people there. They went to Moses and Aaron and said, you have gone too far. I've been told that a few times. You have gone too far. Everyone in Israel has been set apart by the Lord. In other words, everybody's going to be okay. You guys can come to church, and because of the forgiveness of God, you can go out and live like you want to, because everybody's okay now because of Jesus. We hear that. But this is not. This is exactly what's happening right here in the Old Testament. This is a story. You have gone too far. Everyone is... In Israel has been set apart by the Lord, and He is with all of us. Hmm. What right do you have to act as though you are greater than anyone else among us, all these people of Israel? When Moses heard what they were saying, now you talk about a humble, meek man. He fell on the ground in front of them. On his face. That's not normally what a man does when he's, when he's come against, is it? I mean, the average man, he wants to retaliate when somebody says something to you that's wrong. You want to retaliate. You don't want to humble yourself before that person and before God. But what does God demand that we do as his children? Humble ourselves. That's what Moses did. When Moses heard what they were saying, he threw himself down with his face to the ground. Then he said to Korah and his followers, Tomorrow... Tomorrow morning, the Lord will show us who belongs to Him and who is holy. 
the Lord will also, the Lord will allow those who are chosen to enter His holy presence. You, Karah, and all your followers must do this. Take incense burners and burn incense in them tomorrow before the Lord. These are these brass things that they put coals or water fire in to burn the incense. Then we will see whom the Lord chooses as His Holy One. Okay? You Levites are the ones who have gone too far. Now see, Moses is telling them, you've stepped over your boundaries of where you're supposed to be. God has given you a chore to do, and you're not doing it, and you have stepped over your boundaries. Everybody has a place in the church. And your place is to do what God called you to do. If if you have not been called to be the pastor of the church, then you're not to be the pastor of the church. If God called you to be a worker out there to go out and teach your children and your grandbabies about Jesus, that's what you're to be doing, right? And you're to be doing what God called you to do. And if you do what God called you to do, you're going to get the same reward or maybe a better one than I do as the pastor of the church. Because he's going to hold me more accountable than he does you. So I really walk in a place that where God really holds me accountable. But he says here, Then we will see whom the Lord chooses as his holy ones. You Levites are the ones who have gone too far. Then Moses spoke again to Korah. Now listen, you Levites. Does it seem a small thing to you that God, the God of Israel has chosen you from among all the people of Israel to be near Him as you serve in the Lord's tabernacle and to stand before the people to minister to them. Does it seem like a small thing? Is it insignificant that God has called me and Ty and our wives to stand before you as living examples of holiness, to pray for you, for Him to touch you? Does it seem like a small thing? I'm going to tell you, it's not a small thing. It's a humbling, awesome privilege to stand before the King. Is that right? Absolutely. I never dreamed in my life that I would ever get to stand in this place of of such a blessing to be an instrument that God would allow me to pray the prayer of faith or to teach you the Word of God, and it would change your life forever. Never did I ever dream that I'll ever do what I'm doing today. Far from my mind. But He had a purpose, and He called me to do this, and I'm doing what He calls me to do. And I have to walk humbly before Him, realizing that I can't do nothing. I can pray the prayer of faith, and I touch you in faith, or give you in faith whatever I have. He touches you. He's the one that, that without Him, you and me can't even take a breath. But with Him, nothing's impossible. But we have to remember that. It is no small thing to be a man, a woman that's been called of God to teach the Word of God, to lay hands on the sick, to cast out devils. It is no small thing. It is a humbling position that God gives us. But we've got to remember when we do that, we do it humbly because He is the one that's doing it, not me. When I lay my hands on someone or walk up and pray over somebody, Jesus walks up and lays their hands on Him. And that person gets healed by the king, not me. But I have to touch them. Tyre has to pray the prayer of faith for you or whatever. But when we do it, God shows up. 
What a place of authority He has placed upon His pastors. But He expects us to walk holy in obedience to His Word. No two ways about it. Then He says, but now you are demanding the priesthood as well. In other words, He's given you all this power and authority. And now you want to demand the priesthood. Isn't that amazing? These people have gone too far. Well, let's see if God's happy about this. The one you're really revolting against is the Lord. And who is Aaron that you are complaining about him? Aaron's the priest. He's the high priest. You're complaining about your preacher. You walk out and you say, I don't like Thurman. I don't like that preacher. What he preaches, I don't like that stuff he's teaching. I mean, this guy's gone off on a limb. He's telling me that I'm sick because of sin. I don't believe this guy. That's why you're sick. That's right, Tom. That's why you're sick. But do you think God likes it when you're complaining about his preacher that's reading his word? No, he don't. If you ain't got something good to say about me, I suggest that you don't say anything. You know, I mean, I'm, if you don't have something good to say about anybody else in the church, you know what I suggest you do? Amen. Keep your mouth shut because you're coming against the Lord and he don't like it. Well, I ain't going to do nothing about it, but he can. Now, let's listen. Let's read on. Then Moses summoned Dathan and Abram, the sons of Eli, whatever. Uh, but they replied, we refuse to come. I want you two guys, which are tremendous men of God, I want you to come to church to meet with us next Sunday or tomorrow, whatever. We're going to have a meeting. And they said, we ain't coming. We ain't coming. We refuse to come. Isn't it enough? Look at what they think about Moses. Isn't it enough that you brought us out of Egypt, a land flowing with milk and honey? Egypt, a land flowing with milk and honey? Have you ever been to Egypt? I've been to Egypt. And let me tell you, it ain't flowing with milk and honey. I have. Has anybody in here ever been to Egypt? Well, some of you have. Praise God. Well, let me tell you, when, I got, when they opened it, the, that TWA airplane, when I landed in Egypt in Cairo and they opened it, the first thing when I took that first breath, I thought, wow, what? Did we land in the trash, in the dump ground, or what? I never smelled anything so bad in my life. But all Egypt smells like that. And then I walked out of the airplane and I looked at the most dingy, dirty, filthy place i ever seen in my life. A place where there's sand everywhere as far as you can see that rains less than two inches a year on any given good year. And I mean to tell you, there's nothing green growing. It's wicked. I mean, there's death and destruction and poverty like you've never seen in your life. If you've ever been to Mexico and you thought the poverty was bad, you need to go to Egypt. I mean, you need to go to Mexico for R&R after coming from Egypt. But the... The people that come go from Iran and down in those parts of the world, they come to Egypt for R and R. Egypt is a is a place in the de- oasis in the desert compared to Iran and those places. Hey, you ain't lived till you've seen how those people over there live. You don't know how lucky you are. 
You don't know how blessed you are. When you walk out this door and you got a car to get in, you got a concrete place to drive and own, and you got a, a you got a, a water you can take out that door and take it out for you. You need to praise the King for what you've got. Because I remember driving down the street as an engineer. We stopped at a stoplight going to work when I built that building over there in 77. And a little woman come up with a little child on her back. Both of them are malnourished and everything. And she's doing this. We need food, what she's trying to tell me. And I reach over and give her a quarter or 50 cents in, in equivalent, in, in, in their money, equivalent 50 cents or a quarter. And that is a, that, a quarter back when I was over there in 1977 was the equivalent of one day's pay. So if you work over here for minimum wage and you make $7 an hour and you work eight hours, you get $56 a day. When I handed her that quarter, it's like me giving her $56. She was blessed. The engineer with me said, what are you giving her so much money for? I said, a quarter to me is nothing. What can I do with a quarter? I couldn't even buy a soda pop for a quarter, Keith. And I could give her that baby. I could feed them for a month on that one quarter. What did God tell me to do? He said, give and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, running, or with the same measure you used to give, it shall be returned to you. I couldn't go by those stops and not give them little ladies something. That's Egypt. Poor. Poor place. It's awful what they don't have over there. But let's continue to read when he says, What's more, you haven't brought us into the land flowing with milk and honey or given us an inheritance of fields and vineyards. Are you trying to fool us? We will not come. Now, see, Moses told him, God has called me to take you out of Egypt to a land flowing with milk and honey. God called him to do that. Now then, these people are over there. Did they see? I realize they didn't see any significant miracles to prove that God was bringing them out. I mean, did did the people of Israel get to see any very significant healings? How many of them were How many of them were sick when they come out of Egypt? Not one single weak or feeble among three, two, three, four, five million people in this metroplex is two, three, four, five million people. You reckon there's any people here that's sick and afflicted today? Every hospital in this place is full to overflowing. But yet, God brought them out. If that was the only miracle He'd brought them out with, not one single sick or weak or feeble among, not one cripple, not one sick, every human being, regardless of their age, was able to walk and carry their bedroll and all their stuff and walk out of Egypt. You talk about a miracle. That's a miracle. You can't take four or five million people and get them all well at one place at one time, can you, brother? Not unless God does it. That's the only way you can do it. But, I mean, he had brought them out like that. And then he brought them to the uh, Red Sea. And, of course, that wasn't a very significant miracle. You know, I mean, only God only split the water out there and dried up the ground. And they all got to walk across looking at those huge walls of water. That's not a very significant miracle. God couldn't have been in that, could he? Give me a break. What does it take? What does it take? That's why I tell people all the time. Somebody says, if I get healed, I know it will change everybody's life around me. I said, don't bank on it. Your healing, your healing may not change anybody. They'll just say, 
Oh, Terry, it was just one of those things that your son got healed. Oh, Frank, you know, give me a break. The boy was just lucky. His legs started working okay. You know, and some people don't say that. You know that? Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, and that miracle of your old son and y'all's life is nothing compared to what the people of Israel saw, was it? Nothing. I mean, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine being there. And here's the Egyptians coming to kill us. And we're all worried. And God tells Moses, Moses, do something. You know, raise your staff at the sea so I can do something. And so Moses raised his staff. And all of a sudden when he raised the staff, can you only imagine seeing the water? How many of you saw the Ten Commandments? That was pretty good. They done a pretty good job of that, didn't they? Well, I mean, the way the water, I don't know how they'd done that for, tape, for video, but it was good. I enjoyed that. I mean, here the water comes back, and they got this dry channel down through there, and these people go running across this thing. Wow. Even in the movie, it was great. But I, gotta, I got to tell you that the real thing that happened in the movie was nothing compared to what really happened. It was nothing. In fact, I was talking to a Jewish guy the other day on GLC, and he said, I don't know what books he said they were reading, but in some of the annals of Israel, it's written that God opened a different channel for each of the twelve tribes. He said there wasn't one big track opened up and everybody went through. He said there was twelve opened up, and each of the twelve tribes went through their own channel to cross the Red Sea. I thought, wow, that's even more awesome. That's one of the Jewish men that was at a GLC the other day when we were out there. He was telling me about that. I thought, you know, we really don't know what God does. He's, so, he's beyond our wildest imaginations. He's awesome. He can do He's awesome. Then he says, then after all this now, when nobody's coming, they're not going to do what Moses said. It says, even then Moses became angry. I can understand. I don't know how this guy kept his cool as long as he did. But then Moses became very angry and he said to the Lord. He didn't say to them. He said to the Lord, do not accept their offerings. I have not taken so much as a donkey from them. I have not taken nothing from them, God. I mean, and I have never hurt a single one of them. I have not done anything but good for them. And Moses said to Korah, Come here tomorrow and present yourself before the Lord with all your followers. Aaron will also be here. Be sure that each of your 250 followers brings an incense burner and incense on it. Now, these 250 men are men of authority in the church. These are men of power. These are not just average, the average men out there. These are men that have been set apart by the 12 tribes to be the men of power and of authority in the church. They are the deacons, the elders. They're, these are the men of authority in the church. And... There's 250 of them. But Moses said, be sure that each of your 250 followers brings an incense burner with incense on it so you can present them before the Lord 
Aaron will also bring his incense burner. So these men came with their incense burners, placed they were they were placed burning coals and incense on them, and stood at the entrance of the tabernacle with Moses and Aaron. Meanwhile, Korah had stirred up the entire community against Moses and Aaron. Now, this guy didn't keep his mouth shut. Whenever he left Moses, he went out stirring up the whole community, telling them that we're the men that God has called. God is with all of Israel, and He's not called Moses to do this, and you are to follow us and not Moses. I mean, he's stirring up a real problem. He wants, it's called control. He wants to be in authority and power. He wants a big church. That's the name of the game. Meanwhile, Korah has stirred up the entire community against Moses and Aaron, and they all assembled at the tabernacle entrance. Then it happened. The glorious presence of the Lord appeared to the whole community. Woo! How would you like to be there and see the glory of God? Maybe you want to be there. Maybe you don't want to be there. These people didn't know how to take this glorious appearance. But wow, let's see what happens. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, who's he talking to? Moses and Aaron, get away from these people so that I may utterly, instantly destroy them. Now, would you want to have been one of those 250? Would you want to have been Korah? Did God's anger flare? Do you think God can get upset? He did here, didn't He? You don't want to make the king angry, do you, Tom? No. <laughs> yes, I'd rather have you angry at me also than God. I'm, I'm with you, Tom. I'd a whole lot rather have all of you angry at me than have God mad at me. I don't, I don't, I don't want none of you mad at me either, but I sure don't want God mad at me. Let's see what happened. It says, Then but Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground. Now this takes a real man. I mean, after all, these guys are coming against him. You know what Moses could have done? He could have stepped back and said, okay, God, get them. Wipe them out. But he don't do that. He's a humble, loving, kind, forgiving man. Is there times when people have done something to you, you want to step back and say, God, get them, right? <laughs> sure, we're human beings. But that's not what God wants us to do. He's giving us examples of how we're supposed to do this. If we're His children, He wrote this in the Word so that we will do exactly what Moses did. We're supposed to take Moses' example and we're supposed to follow these examples. But Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground. O oh God, the God and source of all life, they pleaded, must you be angry with all the people when only one man sins? See, they're pleading with the King of the universe. You think, gee, they were on that side of the cross. They didn't even have the blood of Jesus before them. 
they were on dangerous ground. Wow. And the Lord said to Moses, after he interceded, Then tell all the people to get away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abram. If God tells you to get away from these men's tents, I'm telling you, I'm getting away from their tents. Because he's mad, Keith. (laughs) And I don't want to be close to these guys if God's mad at them. Do you? No. Look what he says. So Moses got up and he rushed over to the tents of Dathan, Abram, and he followed closely, and he followed closely by the Israelite leaders. Quickly, he told the people, quickly, get away from the tents of these wicked men. Get away. And don't touch anything that belongs to them. If you do, you will be destroyed for their sins. Can you touch evil that someone else is doing? Can you get involved with the wrong guy? Can you, as a woman, or maybe you go out one evening and you meet a guy. And you're a single woman and you meet a guy and this guy, you think he's the best guy going. And maybe you meet him two or three times until you finally think maybe he's okay. But you really don't check him out. And he takes you out on a date. And maybe he wasn't what you thought he was at all. Maybe he abuses you. Maybe he does something bad to you. Who knows? Maybe he has some kind of a very critical venereal disease and he rapes you and you get his disease. You touched him and you became a partaker of his sin. That sin, if you don't know how to walk with God and don't know how to ask God's forgiveness, that sin may kill you with him. You know that? But see, what God tell these people to do here? See, everything in the Bible is for a reason. Every word. So Moses told these people, quick, he told the people, get away from the tents of these wicked men and don't touch anything that belongs to them. If you do, you will be destroyed for their sins. Not yours. Theirs. So all the people stood back from the tents of Korah, Datham, and Abram. Then Dathan and Abram came out and stood at the entrance of their tents with their wives and their children and their little ones. And Moses said, Mark eleven twenty three still works. It worked then, even though we didn't know it. Moses said, By this you will know that the Lord has sent me to do all these things that I have done, for I have not done them of my own. You will know. If these men die a natural death, then the Lord has not sent me. In other words, if these men and their families die a natural death, God didn't send me. But if the Lord performs a miracle and the ground opens up and swallows them and all their belongings, and they go down alive into the grave, then you will know that these men have despised the Lord. What a statement. He had hardly finished speaking the words 
when the ground suddenly split open beneath them. How would you like to have been standing there watching this scene? I'd have wanted to be a way back, would you? I mean, can you imagine the terror? It shook when the ground opened up and they looked and saw the flames of hell down in the center of the earth as the ground opened up and there, these men, their tents, their wives, their children, and all their possessions just went right down into the flames of hell. And you're standing back watching this. I mean, we, we fail to take these examples to heart. We read it, but we like, you know, that's just a story. No, this really happened, folks. This ha- and this happened as an example for who in the book of Jude? Happened for us. So that we would know not to get hooked into moral sins. Isn't that amazing? He's telling us that. Sometimes we put that together and we never think that God really meant what He said. You read it in the book of Jude and you say, well, I don't know who Korah was. You need to go back and find out what the Scripture says about that man. And because of his wickedness, look at what God did. It angered the Lord. Now, remember, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. You think he gets mad today when you get involved in sexual immorality? Yes, it breaks his heart that you do such things. Because he knows the consequences of what it's going to do to you. Now, if you don't repent and come back to him, hey, you're going to die in that sin. And it will cause a shortness in your death, in your life. And he says, he had hardly finished speaking the words when the ground suddenly split open beneath him. The earth opened up and swallowed the men along with their household and the followers who were standing with them. And everything they owned went down into the pit. So they went down alive into the grave along with their belongings. The earth closed back up over them. And they all vanished. And I was thinking of this scene. We're standing here watching Dathan and Korah and all these men and all their, the people that are going to stay with them and their families and everything. And everything's perfect. And Moses makes a statement and all of a sudden the ground just disappears. And they all fall into the flame. And you watch it. And then all of a sudden the ground closes back up. And there ain't nobody there. All of them's gone. And you saw it. Would that be something to experience? Yeah, I think so. Then all the people of Israel fled as they heard their screams, fearing that the earth would swallow them too. How many of the people do you think was up there close to the edge and said, I want to stand against the rope. I want to see what's happening here. When the ground opened up, what did they do? I mean, there was panic. They wanted to get as far away from where that ground opened because who knows? That ground opened up, it may open right on up. You know what your sins are. You may think, oh, goodness gracious, with what I said, he may get me too. And he could. Because this, this is a scary scene, folks. This is a scary scene. It's written right here in the Word. They heard the screams. In fact, the children are falling. Did the sins of the father pass to the mother and all the children? Who paid the price for this? Everybody. Everybody, including their servants and their household, their belongings, their tents, and everything went down into the flames in the pit of hell. Scary, isn't it? Scary. 
Then fire blazed from the Lord and burned up the 250 men who were offering incense. Now, here's the 250 elders that think they're okay. They brought their incense burners. And, and now, they were the ones that had been deceived by Korah. And they were the ones that wanted Moses out and they wanted in. And God wasn't happy with them either. So that fire come out of that pit and come right on across the there and all 250 of them men was burned to a crisp right before everybody's eyes. I don't want to be one of them deacons, do you? I don't want to be one of them elders. When God gets hot, you don't want to be nowhere close to where He's at when He gets hot. Whoa, this is scary stuff, isn't it, Deborah? Scary stuff. But it's written in the book. And these things were an example for us that say we can live in sexual immorality from the book of Jude. This is just one of the four names he named. Just one. This is what happened to this man. He gave us four examples of different people. I thought today we definitely don't have time to talk about all of them, but maybe we've got time to talk about at least one. And so forth, what do you think about this one? That's scary. Then he says, and it's not over. After the 250 were burned up, and the Lord said to Moses, Tell Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, to pull all the incense burners from the fire, for they are holy. The incense burners are holy. Pull that brass out, and also tell him to scatter the burning incense for the burners of these men who have sinned at the cost of their lives. Can you sin today at the cost of your life? Does the Scripture teach that in the New Testament? Yes, it does. If you commit the sin unto death, over in 1 John, you can commit the sin unto death. But all sin brings forth death. But it brings it forth slowly. Usually, when he says when you sin, it starts bringing forth death. Most people don't understand that principle that as you sin, it starts deteriorating your body. And if you don't never repent of that sin and keep living in that sin, eventually it says when sin is full grown and fully matured, then it brings forth physical death and you die. So most people today don't understand that principle. They don't believe that God means what He says. So they go out and do what they want to. Like the woman in New Orleans, or not New Orleans, but in Louisiana. And when Cheryl went down there with me, when she saw this story, she said, honey, you've got to tell everybody that story. There was a woman down there. She's perfectly normal until she was about 60. And she was married. Her and her husband enjoyed a normal relationship like every married man and woman is supposed to. They were normal. And then her husband of about 40 years, whatever it was, he died. And within the next couple of two or three years, she got lonesome. And this guy, which was a meter reader, come by and read the meter. She'd be sitting out on the front porch. And she talked to him. First thing you know, she got, you know, friendly with him. And then first thing, he'd come in for a cup of tea. And then first thing you know, once a month, they're having sex together. Now, how many of you know the sex outside of wedlock? It's sin. Does everybody know that? Okay, if we don't know that, you need to get a hold of that picture. It's sin. Although they only did it once a month. And they're doing it once a month. They thought it's not a big deal. But slowly but surely, she began to get weak. And then... And not too distant, about a couple of years, she's in a wheelchair. And then I met her. And when I found out what she was doing, I said, that's what's killing your flesh. 
Oh, she said, no, Thurman, I'm just 65 now or four or whatever. She said, I'm just old. I said, no, ma'am, you ain't old. That ain't got nothing to do with it. I said, it's a sin that's killing your flesh. I said, if you will repent today, praise God, we live on this side of the cross. Ooh, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. I said, if you will repent of your sin and you'll believe God, I will pray the prayer of faith for you and the king will restore you and he will make you well. That woman couldn't walk without a wheelchair when she repented of her sins that night. Now, a lot of times God has a plan to restore them and he'll do it slowly. But that night for that woman, when she repented, I prayed the prayer of faith for her. She got out of the wheelchair and walked off right there, instantly, totally healed. Wow. I mean, the, the pastor of the church even, she's walking normal. He's got a great big old uh, pickup, a four-wheel drive, and it's real high. And she, she didn't have the people, that, she stayed late that night to deal with me. And then after he said, she said, well, I don't have a ride home now. And he said, no problem, I'll take you home. So she walks outside, and he said, but you won't be able to get up in my pickup. I said, you have no faith, and you're supposed to be the preacher. I said, repent before God. She said, well, before tonight, I couldn't have got up in his pickup. But she said, now I can do all things through Christ with strength in me. She learned a lot. That woman ran out there, grabbed hold that door, opened it, grabbed that handhold, jumped up in that pickup, and that pastor took her home that night. And two years later, I was down there again, and that woman still totally, completely healed. That's when Cheryl met her. She said, honey, when I told her the story, she said, you've got to tell everybody that story. She said, I don't know how many people are doing that, not realizing that sin is killing their body. But it is. See, they just don't know. But it says here now that after the fire came down and burned all these, then God told them to take these incense burners. And then he said, you must hammer them, the metal of the incense burners, into a sheet as a covering for the altar. Because these incense burners are holy. The altar covering will then serve as a warning to the people of Israel. Now, we're going to hammer these brass things out, hammer them together, and put them over the altar so that every time anybody comes in, they say, you see that brass covering? I was here the day when those were incense burners. And I saw God burn up 250 men that was holding them things. It's amazing how people forget how quickly... So Eleazar, the priest, collected the 250 bronze incense burners that had been used by the men who died in the fire, and they were hammered out into a sheet of metal to cover the altar. This would warn the Israelites that to no unauthorized man, no unauthorized man, no one who was not a descendant of Aaron should ever enter the Lord's presence to burn incense. In other words, if you're not called to do something, you don't rush in and say, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. If God don't call you to do something, you better wait on Him to call you. Because if you try to do something just because you want to do it, I mean, so say, let's just say, I said, well, whenever I got to be 62 years old, and I said, well, you know, I've studied the Bible, I've been a good Baptist deacon. And all those things now, then I want to retire and I want to be a preacher because preachers don't have to do nothing. All they got to do is preach on Sunday afternoon, you know, for 30 minutes or Sunday morning. And then on Wednesday night or Tuesday night, you preach or teach a little few minute Bible study. And then you can go home and sleep late. And you can do all kinds of things. You don't have to go for it. Do, and you let the money come in so you can be a rich preacher the rest of your life and don't have to do nothing. Wrong, wrong, wrong. It don't work like that. 
If you do that, now there's preachers out there that's trying to do that. But those kind of preachers are coming by your house regularly and saying, if you don't give money to our minister, we're going off the air next week. You know that? Or they're coming by and saying, you know, if you don't give to this ministry, we ain't going to be here next Sunday. Hey, if what you're doing is of God, you don't have to ask nobody for money. God will provide the resources. He'll take care of you. If you're having to beg for money all the time, there's something wrong with what you're doing. Ty was telling me the other day about a man that he loves with all his heart that comes by his house and every time he comes, he wants money. Ty told him, no, I told him, I said, what you're doing is not from God. You know, if you don't straighten your act up and start doing what God calls in, you do, should not have to come by my house and ask me for money every time you come. Is that right, Ty? That's right. I mean, God will provide. He'll provide. You don't have to ask. God will take care of you. Who's in control of the church? The Lord is. And if he's in control, then he will meet the needs of the church that's about his business. But it says here, after, after this happened, after all, and they beat this stuff into this, and, and they followed all the Lord's instruction, but the next verse, but the next verse, this is unbelievable to me. But the very next morning, I mean, what have these people seen today? I mean, did they see anything blow your socks off? I mean, have you seen the world open up? Have you seen these people fall into the fires of hell? Have you seen the fires of God come by and burn up 250 men? You've seen all this stuff? And the next morning... Now, this is unbelievable to me. I mean, I may be thick-headed, but I ain't that thick. <laughs> Listen to what he says. But the next morning, the whole community began muttering again against Moses and Aaron. Are, are, are y'all with me? Are y'all not quite this thick? I can't believe this, Eldon. Can you? I mean, I would have remembered this for a long... If I had been against God, let me tell you, it had been a long time before I'd have said anything about Moses and Aaron. Wouldn't you, Frank? But the very next morning... I mean, just to show you how dumb we are and how we don't change. I mean, just look. But the very next morning, the whole community begins muttering against Moses and Aaron saying... You two have killed the Lord's people. Oh yeah, Moses went out there with a sword and cut their head off. Who killed these people? Did Moses open the ground and let the fire fall? Who in the world could have opened the ground besides God? And they're blaming Moses and Aaron for this. You see how... I don't understand how we can be like this. But the very next morning, the whole community, not just a handful of them, they were all against Moses and Aaron saying, you have killed the Lord's people. These people weren't God's people, were they, brother? If they were, God killed them. And he says, you have killed the Lord's people. As the people gathered to protest to Moses and Aaron, they turned toward the tabernacle and saw that the cloud had covered it and the gracious presence of the Lord appeared again. God showed up again. <laughs> He's hot again. <laughs> Whoa! I mean, I'd love to see the presence of God, but not under these conditions. Not under these conditions, folks. I mean, if i got to see it under these conditions, I don't never want to see it. I don't never. But He says, 
Moses and Aaron came and stood at the entrance of the tabernacle. And the Lord said to Moses, Get away from these people so that I can instantly destroy them. You reckon he's hot again? Somebody said, God don't get angry. Why, I don't know what you call this. But Tommy's a little hot, isn't he? Quite a bit. I mean, this is twice now. I mean, the first time, after all, seeing the ground open and all the people fall into the fire, seeing all these things happen, and the next morning we're, already, we're against Moses and Aaron again. And God shows up a second time. Whoa. And he said, but Moses and Aaron again fell face down on the ground. What two humble men. By this time, I'd have backed off and said, okay, God, get them. <laughs> I mean, some of y'all just like me. <laughs> That's where you want to go anyway as a human, isn't it? But no, they're humble and they said, God, please, they're pleading for these people's lives. Look what he's saying. They fell face down on the ground. And Moses said to Aaron, quick, take an incense burner and place burning coals on it from the altar. Lay incense on it and carry it quickly among the people to make atonement for them. He, I mean, is that a man? Is that a man that loves God and people? Here these people are murmuring against it, and they're carrying an incense burner, saying, Lord, be merciful. We're making an atonement for these people. Please, please, Lord, don't destroy them. What a humble man. Wow. And then it says, The Lord's anger is blazing among them. The plague has already begun. Who sent the plague? God did. Why did He send it? Because of their sin. Was He angry with them? Very. Aaron did as Moses told him, and he ran out among the people. The plague indeed had already begun. But Aaron burned the incense and made atonement for the people. He stood between the living and the dead until the plague was stopped. But look at this next verse. Because of the sins of these people. But 14,700 people died in that plague. That's a lot of folks, you know it? 14,700 people died in addition to those that died in the incident involving Korah. Can God's anger flare today because of sin? And that's why we have so many sick people today. Especially those in the church. Because God does not like it Because in the book of Jude, that's the New Testament. That's That's next to the last book in the New Testament, and it's only got one chapter. And he says, now let me tell you, let me warn you. There's people will come in among you to tell you because of the blood of Jesus and because of the forgiveness and the mercy of God, it's okay once you get saved to go out and live in sin. But he said, I'm telling you, those people are lying to you. They're not telling you the truth. Because remember Korah. And he was one of the ones that was an example for you to let you know that God does not like sexual perversion and sexual immorality. 
And so when you go back and tie those scriptures together, it makes his story. That's only one of the men he talks about, Korah. There were several. But so far, from what we read about Korah, because of the sexual perversion and the things that these people did when they'd done things wrong, what happened to Korah and his family and all of those that followed him? They went alive into the pit. You reckon they went to heaven? I don't think so. That's right. Those people are still burning in the flames of hell today. They're still there. There's no hope for them. They're there. And they will be there forever until the end of the age. And at the end of the age, the place of torment that they're in right now, at at the end of the age, the lake of fire, which the book of Revelation talks about, which has not been opened at this point, the lake of fire will be opened. And all those that come from there will be resurrected to life to stand before the great white throne. And they will all be judged according to their deeds. And there will be different places of hell for them to be cast into. Nobody's in hell right now. They're in this place that's called Gehenna or a place of torment. But hell or the lake of fire is never opened until the book of Revelation. At that time, after the great white throne, everybody that was in the place of torment will be judged. And if they only done this, one of them might be a good guy. He was real good. He raised a, a good family. You know, he went to church. You know, uh, he, he uh, uh, you know, maybe he went to church on Sunday. Maybe he didn't go to church at all. But he really never knew Jesus. Never produced any fruit for the kingdom. But he was a good guy. Raised, I mean, he loved his wife and loved his children and done all kinds of supposedly good things for the community. But he didn't do nothing for Jesus because he didn't know him. Now, he wasn't a really bad guy. He wasn't like Hitler, the murderer over here that killed so many people. So Hitler will get a much hotter place in the lake of fire than this guy will, but both of them will be there. It says they will be judged according to their works. So if you were a pretty good guy, I mean, how would you like to have been the best guy there is that's in the least place in hell? It's still going to be awful. You don't want to be there. But on this side of the cross, we today have a blessing since Jesus came 2,000 years ago that's beyond our wildest dreams. You can live in those things, and if it comes to the point short of your dying, you have not died yet, you can come and ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. And will He forgive you? Oh, thank you, Jesus. The blood of Jesus washes us and cleanses us, and He heals. Then once, once we ask Him to forgive us of those sins that we live, we might have been just like Korah and his bunch. I mean, we might have been one of those kind of people. But we come to Jesus and say, Lord, I realize now I was a sinner, or I am a sinner, and I want You to forgive me. Now I want to stop doing what I'm doing. Maybe I'm living in sexual perversion. Maybe I'm living in lying, stealing, cheating, murdering, and committing adultery. All the things that God tells you not to do. Lischievousness, drunkenness, wickedness, uncleanliness. I'm doing all those things. But Lord, I I said I'm your child when I was a 10-year-old, but I've definitely not walked it. 
I come to you today and I repent and I want you to forgive me and I'll make you a promise I'll never go there again. I'll stop all those things and I'll walk holy in your presence. And Lord, I have all these diseases that have come upon me. Now, Lord, I ask you to be merciful to me and forgive me and heal me. And guess what? He will do that. What a place. What a God. I mean, I look, at, look across here and look at the people in this place that I know that lived there at one time in their life. That God was merciful to and healed. Some of you were basket cases when you came to me. Literally. I mean, sick and afflicted, living in sin, wondering why you had all the problems you had. And I told you about this merciful Jesus. And you repented of your sins and you turned and you didn't continue down that road. You turned and went the other direction and you walked holy before the king. And as you walked holy before the king, he set you free. And He heals you and He raised you to a new level of faith. And you're forever grateful. Don't be one of those that gets healed and tomorrow be one of those and say on the next day, after I get healed, I come back and say, well, that really wasn't God that healed me. You know, I've seen people do that. Let me give you one example before we close. I ministered to a woman and her husband a few years ago. She was on her deathbed with breast cancer. I spent five hours with that family. I flew to another city to minister to them. I was there all day. I got that woman healed in the name of Jesus. And they lived in divine health for about five years. And then one day her husband, which was really into health foods, somebody said, wasn't it glorious what Jesus had done for your wife? Oh, I said, it wasn't the Lord that did that. It was the health food I fed her that healed her. He made that statement. You know what happened to that woman? In 30 days, she was dead. He killed her. He said the food he fed her, he gave it the glory instead of the king of the universe. Here's a woman laying on her deathbed, laying on her deathbed that the doctor said would be dead in a few days, that hadn't had a bite of food to eat in three weeks, and after teaching her and her husband what God's Word says, and they believed it and received it, she got up off of her deathbed, instantly healed, and went and had a fried shrimp dinner. That day. And within six months, was gained her weight back from 80 pounds or whatever she was down to, to about 125 pounds, and was a beautiful woman. I mean, a beautiful woman. Loving God. She loved the King. Oh, she called me often. She was so happy for what God done for her. But who has spiritual authority over her? Her husband, unfortunately. And her husband gives the glory to food instead of to God. And that man killed that woman. She died almost instantly. It's amazing the power that a man has over his wife. In today's world, the husband is the spiritual authority. And if you don't allow him to be the spiritual authority, God will judge both of you. And you won't like it, will you, Terry? You know you've been there. I mean, one of these days, Terry and I and Frank, her husband standing right over there, one of these days, and I hope it's not the too distant future, we're going to get together and we're going to make a movie or a film or, uh, that we're going to show on television about their miracle. And boy, have they got an awesome one. I mean, 
her sin affected her husband and all of their children. And she ain't afraid to tell you about it now. I mean, she'll tell you that it was her sin that almost killed her, her husband, and everything else. And once she got right with God and did what it supposed to say, it changed everything in her marriage, everything in her home, healed all her kids, and everything. And boy, she'll tell you. And she tried to tell it the other day on James Robinson, but they wouldn't let her tell it very well. You know, it's a little too powerful. A little too powerful. Is that right? Oh, it's good anyway. We watched it. Yeah, yeah. We watched it. They got about three or four minutes of actual time uh, on there. But uh, let me tell you, their testimony is so powerful. It is so powerful. Uh, to show you what unforgiveness does. And the average person today in the church don't believe that these things that we just read about Korah and his bunch comes upon us because of sin. But Terry didn't believe it either when I first told her. But she finally believed it. And when she did, she got repented, and it has changed her and Frank's life forever. And now they're living the abundant life that Christ has prepared for them. And because they're, she's submitted to him, he, she's letting him be the spiritual head. He's tucking his, taking his authority as a spiritual head, and he's becoming the spiritual head. And as he has, God's blessing them and their children in so many ways, and healed all of them. Did, not didn't just heal them, done miracles, especially on your oldest one. I mean, that an awesome miracle on that boy. Hey, don't anger the king. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. As he wiped out Korah and all those men, he'll do the same thing to us today. But he is merciful when he gets angry at us and the plague comes upon us and sickness and disease. If we repent and come back to him and tell him, Lord, I'm sorry. I walk holy and obedient to your word. And you mean it. He'll forgive you. And then He'll restore you. And he, he didn't do that back in those days because He didn't have the blood of Jesus. But today, we have the blood of Jesus. Praise the King for the blood of Jesus. You don't know how fortunate you are. But when you get a hold of that, that's when it becomes easy to raise your hands in church and worship the King. When you learn these principles. And when you learn that you can call on His name and He will set you free. He'll heal you. He'll meet all of your needs. He'll do. He loves you. There's hope. That's why I can tell people, I don't care what's wrong with you. I don't care what you've done. If you come to the king on his terms and you ask him to forgive you and you do it his way, he'll heal you every time because he loves to heal his people. He loves, actually what he wants his people to do, he wants them to walk in divine health. He don't want you to be sick, but to walk in divine health, what must you do? You must walk in love and obey his royal law. And if you do, hey, He will bless your socks off. He'll heal you and meet all of your needs. You must have received that, young lady. You've got a good smile on your face. She's smiling back there. Praise God. When, you, when you've known the King and really received something from Him, you can be like the little woman in the Bible. That when Jesus came in, she's in there on her face with her tears, and she's anointing his feet with her tears and wiping them with her hair. The Lord says to the man, said, you didn't even give me no water to wash my feet with. But this woman, and the man, the reason that that man said, if he knew who she was and knows what kind of sinner that woman was, he wouldn't let her be touching him. Jesus looked over and said, you know, you didn't even give me a pan of water to wash my feet with when I came in. 
But this woman does not stop crying over me and washing my feet with her tears and drying them with her hair. He said, this woman loves much because she has been forgiven much. She was a wicked sinner, but now she's clean and pure because my blood makes her a clean, chaste virgin. And when God can see you like that, when you know what He's done for you, He's made you a chaste virgin. He's put a white robe on you, and I don't care what you've done. I don't care if it's Cheryl, or Cheryl, or Ty, or me, or Terry, or who it is. We have a clean white robe on. And every one of us stand in the presence of the King, pure and clean today. No difference. No difference. He looks at her and says, look at that beautiful thing of mine, that white robe. Not even a spot on. Looks at Ty and says, look at that wonderful guy of mine. That white robe. There ain't a black spot on that nowhere. Amen. That's what we can say. Because I'm telling you, mine had a lot of black spots on it at one time. But I got news for you, yours did too. But He forgave us and washed us clean. Now, anybody that's living in any kind of sin, you can come back to Him and He'll forgive you. But does He expect you to walk holy in His presence as His children? Yes. yes, He does. He said if somebody tells you because of the faith in Jesus and because of the blood, you can live in sin. He said you need to tell them that's not true. That's clearly laid out in the book of Jude, wasn't it? Wow. But thank you, God, for the blood of Jesus. That's what we stand on all the time, isn't it, Eldon? When we deal with people, we get people to repent of their sins, and I don't care who they are. I mean, that's like that little girl that was in the Bible study the other night. I, evidently, she had multitudes of sins in her life, had all kinds of problems with her body and everything else. And when I begin to tell these things, this woman just jumped up and broke out in tears. You mean there's hope for me? I can be healed? I said, yes, there's hope for you. But you know, there's not a lot of churches that will teach you that today. A lot of churches just say, oh, that's okay, brother. You know, we'll pray for you if we think about it. Just go home. Maybe you'll be okay. They don't tell you to stop sinning. We pray the prayer of faith. God will heal you. Amen. But when you learn that, you stop sinning. See? And don't be like these people in Israel. Don't get healed and then come back tomorrow and say, I don't like Thurman. He prayed for me and I got healed. But I don't like him. That's what happened here in the story, wasn't it? And they're grumbling and complaining. And so the presence of the Lord showed up a second time and God said, Okay, Moses, get out of the way. I've had it this time. Get out of the way. I'm going to kill them all. And he said, Quick, quick, Aaron, take the, take the incense and get out there and start interceding for these people. And in the meantime, he said, But what's the, what's the plague happening? I mean, 14,700 of them fall dead before he can get it done. Don't be one of those 14,700. Don't be one of those that angers the king. Don't be one of those that don't get to Jesus before you die. Walk holy before Him and walk in divine health. Pays good dividends, doesn't it? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank You and praise You for this beautiful, glorious day. We thank You for the beautiful rain that You sent. Lord, we're so grateful. So grateful, Father, for everything. You are such a mighty, awesome God. We praise You and thank You, Father. We are so, so grateful. Lord, we, we cannot tell You how much we have we praise You for the blood of Your Son that gives us the privilege today to come to You so we can confess our sins and You will heal us and deliver us and save us and meet all of our needs. Now, Lord, thank You. Thank You for forgiving us and help us, Lord, to not be like these people that tomorrow we're grumbling and complaining again. 
But help us, Lord, that we walk holy and obedient to your word so we can walk in divine health. Father, I praise you and thank you for this privilege to know you as our Lord and Savior, our Deliverer, our Healer, our Provider. We are so blessed to live on this side of the cross. Lord, we praise you and thank you for all these testimonies we heard today and all the people that have been delivered and healed. And Lord, we thank you for the ones that come today that need a touch from you and that you will be here today to touch them as they confess their sins and repent and you'll meet their needs. And Lord, help them to understand they must walk a holy life before you if they want to stay where they want to stay. They cannot live in sin and be blessed. So, Father, thank you for your word. We praise you and worship you and thank you for healing and meeting the needs of everyone that comes up. As Cheryl and I stand here and Ty and his Cheryl, as they stand here together and as people come up and we pray, may all their needs be met by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We're your representatives, Lord, and we just pray the prayer of faith and you take care of the need. And Lord, we thank you for being here and showing up today again that you'll meet the needs of your people. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. For those of you that don't know, the media back there is all free. You can take anything you want. Uh, Take as much as you want. We don't charge for it. And if you need to make any kind of decision for Christ, we're here to make that decision with you. If you need to be prayed for, for anything, you come up. We will be here to pray for you, and the Lord will be here to meet your needs. Praise His holy name.